Good afternoon, all my people. You know what day it is. This is Friday, May 8th, and this is your regular Friday edition of the Friday Night Lights Fantasy Podcast. Let's go. I'm nice right now. I, I feel good. If you have a drink, would you please put it in the air? Hey, hey, everybody, what it is, what it isn't, we're going to sit down and we're going to have a nice little chat today. We're going to hopefully not drag this out and make it too long because those two-hour episodes, two-hour long episodes are kind of a friggin' nightmare to edit. We're going to try to keep it quick, keep it simple. We've got some cool stuff happening on this show. We're going to talk about some stuff that I'm really excited about coming up on the next episode and uh, really going to hope to look forward. Guess what? As I keep promising, we have another guest today that we haven't had on. Uh, again, I told my seemingly regular frequent co-host Cobb to scramble, and he is not joining us today. Today, we're bringing in Maddie B. all the way from Philly to Vegas. Maddie, how you doing? What's going on, Tom? We're good, man. How are you? Man, I'm feeling okay. Doing a little, uh, doing a little work on the house. Doing a little, doing a little this and that while we got the time, and and just you know keeping things going, talking a lot of football. So one thing. I wanted to get right into is I want to let everyone know that I have, again, I know I've mentioned it in chats, but I have the opportunity to interview uh, a 20-year wrestling veteran in the Winnipeg scene, which is a booming scene. Uh, it's helped create the likes of Chris Jericho and Kenny Omega and and, and Lance Storm and, and et cetera, but he also has traveled the world. He's been uh, all the way to AAA Mexico. He's traveled uh, all the way through the States. And he's also uh, traveled the great country of Canada and has a ton of experience. It also happens to turn out that he is a fantasy football junkie. Uh, so I am happy to bring those two worlds together. As a lot of you know, I'm a wrestler myself. I've also traveled myself. I'm just not at what you would say uh, his... His prestige is he's a, a highly touted trainer. This is both exciting for me. I'm nervous, but I'm very happy to have you guys help push this for me. And we are going to hopefully make that a really cool event that I'm really hoping that we can keep going. But today for this episode, the May 8th episode of your guys' edition of the Friday Night Lights podcast, uh, we're going to talk breakdown with Maddie B., we're going to talk about his experience. You, you guys get the bit. We, we've, we've done this for a few weeks now. So, Maddie, I want to talk about your fantasy football experience. How long have you been playing? How long have you been doing Dynasty? How long have you really been active in this, this crazy community? All right. So, uh, it's been about three years for me. Um, and when I started, uh, I, I started my first year, and it was just a redraft league. And uh, it actually took a lot for me to make the jump into fantasy football uh, for a while i kind of put it off my friends would try to bug me you know to join their league um just tell me how fun it was just the the knowledge you learn from it as well because i've loved football since since i was a kid so um i was still hesitant though i felt like it take me more so away from my Eagles, and, you know, it's like, well, I, I might have Zeke on my team, and then I'm rooting for Zeke to score, you know, just tell him. It's definitely, it's, definitely it's definitely a different mentality, too, where you 
are kind of in a way forced to break your fandom. Uh, and some people obviously take that to a degree where they'll be at their home team. Like you'll be a, a Falcons fan in Atlanta and you'll be cheering and then the opposing team will score a touchdown. You'll get up and cheer because that guy's on your fantasy team and that's your whole ass whooped by an entire <laughs> section. So it's kind of, it's a funny, it's a funny narrative in the, in that aspect. So it's very interesting that you mentioned that fantasy football really does kind of make you a better fan, but it also makes you a worse fan because we fantasy football people can be the absolute worst. So uh, that's actually, that's a really good point. So when you went into this vet draft, you know, uh, what was your, what was your strategy going in? Like when you looked at it, you're like, okay, are you one of the guys that, all right, I know I'm picking here and I've done mocks or I've done other drafts. So like I should get this guy, this guy, this guy. Or if you're like, oh man, if this superstar is here, screw the value. I'm just taking him. Like what was your, what kind of strategy did you go into with the vet draft? Right. So uh, I typically am more of a go with the flow. I wait and see what type of value it is dropping. A lot of the time I'm not like, all right, so I, I picked at the 110 for the Friday Night Lights and I wasn't like a, I took Mixon, but when the draft started, it, I wasn't necessarily telling myself, all right, you're taking Mixon and, and that's that. You know, if, if like Billy got Kamara at the 1-8. So it, in my opinion, is pretty wild. So if Kamara would have, Fallen, I would have taken him, you know. So, um, right, I'm definitely more of a way to see what's happening and, and, and what moves people are making, and I kind of make adjustments to there. Uh, I obviously have guys that, that I like and I own a lot of, but um, so every draft is different, so it, it I never go in with a set plan of this is what I have to do, and, and if I don't, then I then I failed, uh, right. Because could be completely different than what you went in thinking, but you're ecstatic about your your lineup, you know. Right. Not, so I think I think it's the one, but. <laughs> right. I think it's the best way to go in and not handcuff yourself. I, so far, that's been the most common response, but uh, I definitely know that even sometimes myself, I'm like, oh my god, like no matter what, if this person falls here, I'm taking them, and I'm not even going to really read the board. Uh, I think it's a good way to handcuff yourself doing it that way. So I actually respect people who can just completely flow with it, trade down, and be comfortable with that. Me, every time I trade down, I feel like I'm going to have a stroke because I feel like I'm doing something weird. Like I feel like I'm doing something against uh, tradition. And as if anyone can tell by my running back enthusiasm, I'm a man of tradition in this in this whole thing. And sometimes that hurts me in fantasy football. So it's actually good to, to have – maybe have that kind of strategy from gauging how many people seem to have it. And I think that's something I'm going to maybe adjust moving forward. So yeah, with that, with, with that being your strategy, what was your favorite move? What was your favorite? Like, what was your, okay, I can't believe I got this guy here. I can't believe I made that deal there. Like we don't have to go into the deal, obviously, but if there was one that you liked, or if there was a certain player that you were surprised fell to you, what was your favorite move throughout the vet draft? Well, my favorite selection was Devontae Adams at the 2-3, who I, I no longer own. Ah, fair enough. But uh, I did not expect uh, Adams to be sitting there. I think he was the... I want to say he was the fourth wide receiver off the board or something like that. Yeah, he was the fourth. So I guess it, it, the quarterbacks, you know, pushed him back. Uh, if 
rookie quarterback four win in the first round. Um, Crazy. I just didn't expect that, even though it was super flex. Yeah, quarterback super flex leagues are weird, man. Like, I did a couple uh, early in the draft season because I'm a degenerate, and I was still getting my starters at, like, eight and 11 or eight and i think i drafted my qb2 at round 15 once as a still a quarterback i really liked i think it was darnold i have like 12 shares of darnold but like i was getting him that early so then when i started doing some of these other ones i was like man these quarterbacks are going so fast like everyone's talking about value 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 it's not something that i want to do but yeah you're right i think it's surprising that quarterbacks are going that quick now personally there's three that i would take that early and everything outside of that is just not worth it to me yeah i, I- but I do. I, I'm not typically someone who who goes for quarterback too early. I think the earliest I took a, a quarterback in any of my superflex leagues was round four, and that's still still pretty early. Um, it feels gross. It does, I don't know why. Yeah. Even though they score the most points on average, like it feels for some reason really gross to take a quarterback at that high. I I know I agree, especially when you're looking at the, the running backs and the wide receivers that are sitting there when you do it. Um, I I think that's you know this is my second year doing superflex, but I, I think that's something I still have to get used used to because I was so used to doing a bunch of different redraft leagues with friends and family and, and you know work, coworkers, and I'm used to not sometimes not even taking a quarterback until you know the last round. So I, I kind of been have adjusted somewhat and then some drafts and still like well single the switch between single qb leagues superflex leagues is a big jump because i hadn't done any superflex leagues ever until probably when i met cobb and coombs which was only i want to say i've only known them just shy of two years now so um Yeah, I think only two years, so I, I'd never done Superflex until they dragged me into this fucking rabbit hole that I'm slowly withering my soul down into. And it's it's a it's an adjustment. I this is only like I said, this is only my second year in Dynasty myself. So this is probably only my second year in Superflex. Last year I had no freaking clue. I didn't take a I think I took Lamar Jackson last year in a startup, uh, in like round six, and I am so stoked that I'm a homer, and that was my QB one. I oh, did yeah. not know he was going to be that good. Well, you know, but I mean, I last year he went undrafted. Right? It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy, especially the running. I know everyone's trying to find a way to balance out running quarterbacks, but there's no way to do it. So, I think there's always going to be some sort of an advantage. So I actually think that that's not a bad. That's not a bad favorite move. Like getting Devontae Adams at two three because we got quarterback run is. It's pretty stellar. I know myself. I've I think I started four drafts this year with a, a Tyree kill, Joe Mixon, like first and second round. Like I think I've done that like four times, and every time I'm just giddy. Yeah. Like I'm just I'm just texting Cobb nonstop. I can't believe this is gonna happen. I think I'm gonna get it again. Oh my god! I can't like, you know, there's just that excitement of like, of oh, yeah. those those runs are good, and then they really suck when you're at the turn. And then you're like, oh man, I just missed out on like seven people because I was trying to be smart. So yeah. that that definitely trying to think the trying to think you're the smartest person in the room in fantasy is always realizing that you're usually the dumbest. Yeah, <laughs> know. Know. it's just yeah. that's it's it's just a common thing. So when you look at your when you were looking through your draft board and you were doing the draft because it was a bit of a long draft. It wasn't a super crazy long draft, but I think it took us about a week. 
When you're when you were looking at it on this one, I think pretty huh. good. Yeah, it was. It, it, yeah, it wasn't bad. So when you're looking at your when you're looking at your board and when you were drafting, uh, like I said, I don't really want to hindsight, but what was your least favorite in in the moment pick? Like, what was the one pick when you drafted? You went, oh, I shouldn't have done that. Like, what was your moment of regret type pick in this draft? Yeah, well, if it's in the moment, it it, it wasn't the two kicker because at the time I thought I, thought I was all good. Uh, okay. Yeah, you know, um, I'm sorry. No. <laughs> I forgot about that. It's gonna yeah, be a thing. It's gonna be a thing of legend. My least favorite when I look back, um, but you know, I probably taking Eric Ebron as as my second tight. Well, you know what? I actually went back and I got. OJ Howard, but my tight ends. I mean, I have Hayden Hurst, but I don't have anything after that really that I feel confident in. I'll say, so, I'll say this: I like Ebron over Howard. I would draft Ebron over Howard right now, one thousand percent. Even before the Gronk trade, I'm yeah. out on Howard. So when you take Ebron and think like, well, Ben's back. You know, they do operate with a tight end. I don't think he's ever had an athletic tight end before. As much as you hate seeing Ebron have hands of brick. When he scores those touchdowns, man, as a tight end too, there's the thing with him. There's a range of outcomes where he finishes 16th, and there's an outcome where he finishes third. Like he's such a he's such a a weird player to judge. Who's only like he's like 26, 27, but he feels like he's been in the league, and he's 35. You know, man, that's so. I was thinking that the other day. It was actually a few weeks ago, but I was I was looking through. You know, just stats and looking back through game logs and just building up some knowledge on certain guys. And every time I open Eric Ebron and I see his age, I'm man, isn't this guy 30? Yeah, he feels that way because, A, his knees are about 35 and his shoulders about 41, but he's only 26, so... He's not a even a bad dynasty option to have. People just love to shit on the guy, even though he was he's only like one year removed from sixty. He was running touchdowns in uh, on reverses. He's so athletic, and he's going to a team that's going to use him. And Ben is going to use him. And as long as he just doesn't drop the goddamn ball, um, he'll be fine there. So I get it. I I get taking him and being like, oh man. He's my tight end too, but I, you actually can't really be too unhappy now. Again, now we'll look at the hindsight. You can't be too unhappy now with him as your tight end too, because of the situation he landed in. Right. And when you really look at their offense, when Ben is around, the passing game of the Steelers the last like four or five years when Ben was healthy was like third, fifth, seventh, and like second or something stupid like that. So there's going to be opportunity there. They're in a really good division. Like that AFC North now is becoming again one of the stronger divisions in the league again. What like sucks for me because I liked having like two to three teams that were dog shit, but now it's quickly as always in the AFC North. It's kind of it's turning again because again I said this on the Tuesday episode. The NFL hits in cycles, and now we're running through another cycle with this stupid division. It's pissing me off, but yeah. I mean that's that's life as a Ravens fan in the AFC North, and you know that's just how she's gonna go. So, um, looking that's into it, Dante Johnson though, I'm I'm him in general, but I, I am a believer the Steelers will bounce back this year. I mean, it's I don't, but that's because I don't think 
from all the years in baseball that I've watched, the guy coming back from Tommy John surgery at 38, especially when he's already not exactly a workout warrior, is hard, and it's hard mentally. Like, watching him on the sidelines hurt my soul because he looked like a fat, bearded Jay Cutler. And also, just... Shout out to Jay Cutler because I saw the tweet, as I think a lot of people have, that came out that once uh, Christy Cavalieri, I think I'm saying that right, already yeah. filed for divorce, asked Jay Cutler for five mil to buy a mansion. And Jay Cutler's reply was to freeze all of his fucking assets and told her to, quote, get a job. So yeah. I just want to shout out Jay Cutler for being my Who's idol. Because he's the one that was getting sacked 15 and a half times a game, playing with type 1 diabetes on horrific teams while getting shit on all the time. And he's the one that made his $200 million. I'm sorry, lady, but if you want out because you think he's lazy, no way should he be forking over 5 mil for you to have a fucking mansion. Use your own goddamn money for that shit. I don't want to get into that because I think that the, the divorce settlements are outrageous for pro athletes, but... Uh -huh. I just want to shout out Jay Cutler for being my idol now uh, in retirement, and I hope that I have the balls one day if it ever comes down to it. Um, I want to talk about the rookie draft when we did it. I want to talk about uh, what was your strategy going with the rookie draft because you did compile some picks. You did make a couple moves that we've already talked about. So when you looked at the picks that you had and the players available to you, uh, I don't want to talk about trades that you made during that draft maybe as much, but I want to talk about what was your strategy going in there. And again, uh, a real quick favorite and least favorite moves from the the Friday Night Lights Fantasy League uh, rookie draft for 2020. Right. Um, so yeah, after the NFL draft, as we know, my team was in a bit of a hole already because uh, of taking the two kickers so basically when we did the vet draft i took joe mixon and then there was a big running back run but when it came back to me at at the 310 i was like man i'm gonna grab the 101 right here and then i didn't take the running back again um until i realized you know it was brought to my attention that i did, did something wrong so waiting for the rookie draft i made the trade where i sent uh, Darius Slayton and the 201 for Marlon Mack and a 2021 second, which then, you know, crashed and burned in front of my eyes and they took Jonathan hmm. Taylor. So, right. Such a terrible feeling, man. Yeah, no. <laughs> like a week after I, I traded for him. So, I, I never go in. I've, this is the first time I've ever started a league rebuilding because. Uh, right. I was going into the rookie draft originally with with the 101 and the 401 because I had traded a, uh, away the rest of my picks trying to call myself back to life, you know? Uh, right, and you did a good job of that too. So sometimes the, the pick is, is a sacrifice for that. So it's definitely uh, noteworthy that that was the case. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I appreciate it. So and then went once... Max value really took a hit. Um, I was in some discussion with Tom Lee, and and uh, I I traded the 101, and I got his 107, 108, and the 2021 first. Uh, I figured that was the best thing for me to do. Like I, I could have stuck it on and, 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 and 
help my team more help and I the three first gives me more more of a chance to hit, you know? Um, well, absolutely. I, I'm a big believer in maximizing quantity for the chance of quality. Like, like if you take a CEH there and you have a stack two RB, that's fine. That like, there's, I don't think anybody would have batted an eye at that. But to get who you got at those picks, like the players that ended up falling to you, I mean, there's no arguing that it was a sound decision i mean you got great value you're looking at next year's draft which we both like a lot we yeah. got an extra pick in there and then which we're actually going to talk about your ridiculous stockpile of draft picks because i think it is silly and it's uh, as i mentioned on the tuesday show it is uh interesting to have that kind of patience because i sure as fuck do not as much as i try i've tried to rebuild before and then i ended up just trading it all away to try to make a run so right uh, I understand the strategy for your rookie draft. What was your favorite pick in the rookie draft? Um, you know, I think for where my team stands, my favorite pick was was getting CD Lamb at the one eleven, I believe it was, because I had the one oh seven, one oh eight, and then I, I got rid of that one. So outrageous. Yeah, and and I completely understand the argument. I mean, his immediate value might not be great because it's it's a a crowded room there. Um, I just believe in the talent personally, so I think that was just my favorite because I had expect within a year or two that that receiving core won't be the same. Um, whether it's, I wouldn't be surprised if even Amari was, was wasn't there in a few years, but I mean, we'll right. have to see what. Happens. Uh, so yeah, that that was probably my favorite. Yeah, and you know what? I mean, to get him at one eleven, I know again people are whatever but there's no way he doesn't actually produce i think Cobb and i spent a lot of time talking about that uh, on tuesday where we think that the receiver cycle in the league is you want the young guys now because in a couple years i think that's when you're gonna see the elite guys come back so i definitely understand that stealing um who everyone thought was in line to be the first wide receiver off the board and i think the henry Ruggs thing really threw everything for a loop there but i think getting him at 111 is silly um the running back run in this rookie draft, which again Cobb and I had talked about, the the running back run in rookie drafts is insane. In superflex leagues, three quarterbacks that went in top what seven are going at like one oh six. I've seen Burrow go one oh seven. Like it's just blowing my mind. You know, I was talking to Coombs. It would, might have been this morning, but uh, yeah, in different superflex league I'm in, and you know, I'm I'm personally I'm not a believer necessarily in justin herbert's talent um right i I think that's a consensus thing most people aren't but opportunity definitely and he's going i mean there are weapons galore there you know in in la for him so i i was in a rookie draft in a was it 205 or the 207 i got him at i had both picks i i forget which one and but it's super yeah so the value there was was pretty ridiculous. Um, even B dubs. What was that? Excuse me. Even B dubs in a lot of leagues. Barry is sniping Herbert at like two oh four, and it's driving me mental because I don't ever need a QB. You're right. It's driving me mental. So I can't remember if was this was the Friday league that I traded with him to move up. I'm in so many stupid leagues, but I traded with him from like the one ten. I moved up to like the one oh four. Oh yeah. 
I traded up to the 104 and I sniped uh, Dobbins from Brad. And then I drafted again at like 10 at 110. And Barry was like, okay, I'll trade back to the 201 and gain stuff. He's like, I don't know if I'll get a quarterback. And I remember texting him when it was like pick 112 or 111, and I looked at who, who was picking. I was like, you motherfucker are going to get – you're going to trade back, stockpile crap from me, and still be laughing your ass off at your ability to take a starting quarterback drafted, drafted in the top eight in the NFL draft, yeah. and you're going to get him at the top of the second round in a super flex? Like, I think the hate on Herbert is actually done what fantasy football fans usually do, which is take it and run with it. He's he can run. He's mobile. He he could either be Ryan Tannehill or he could be Jeff George. Like he, like you don't know, but he's got the opportunity there to be really really good if he can just not be accurate. And yeah. people thought the same thing about Josh Allen and, and he fell in super flex leagues. And it's like, look at him now. Now everyone wants to take him as like a five, six, seven, eight guy. Yeah. It gets insane. So I think everyone who stole Herbert in super flex leagues is going to be at least happy with not having to take him at like one Oh four. Right. I mean, so, if you're getting the back of the second and he ends up being even just a 15 point per game guy i mean that's still pretty great value yeah you're getting qb2 protection out of a guy you got in the second round that's literally insane like you don't even really get that much uh like rb2 wide receiver 2 rb3 type production late in the second round usually unless you're really lucky and i think that that again like it's just shows the cycle the nfl is in it shows how valuable running backs are now so everyone that says running backs don't matter can lick a nut. And moving on from that gross uh, sentiment, uh, what would be your least favorite move from the rookie draft? Like, what was the player you picked that you're like, yeah, I probably wasted that one. If there is one. I mean, maybe you're just completely happy with it. But I know for me personally, I don't like drafting Thaddeus Moss because I know I can get him as a free agent. But I have to draft Thaddeus Moss because it's a staple of my mentality now. So what is your least favorite move for whatever reason from your rookie draft? Probably, well, with the 2-4. So Higgins, I'm, I like Higgins long term. Um, I just don't know how high his ceiling really is. And um, right. with, you know, I feel like he's, he's either going to be great or it could be like, Mike Williams, where we keep waiting for him um, to put together the 1,000-plus and the 10 touchdowns, but it's like it's been one or the other. Um, right. Consistency could be an issue. Right. What I, I get do that. Like, yeah. What I, I, I do like him, and he, he's super young. Uh, he's tied to Burrow. Um, and then you look at A.J. Green and just the receiving course there in general, aside from Tyler Boyd. None of them can stay on the field. Uh, well, not even that. Like it, the with contracts, like they're not going to pay John Ross to stay. There, like maybe AJ Green stays past this year, but there's no way he's going to want to stay there and keep developing with a young guy again. He's going to want to go somewhere else. He's already said that, but he'll he'll play under the tag. It looks like. So really, they could be losing two of their top four receivers. I understand them drafting one. It was like this hurts everyone's value. If you were really counting on John Ross. I really wanted to play you. Like, if you were the one believing in John Ross's talent, I was hoping that I was going to get you, whoever you were, and you were going to put him in your starting lineup so I could laugh my way to a dead spot for you. Because even last year, 
when the truthers were like, he's breaking out. Right. Like two of those games were last second deep touchdowns that didn't yeah. fucking matter. So yeah, no. Ross isn't a good receiver. He could never run routes. He has terrible hands. He doesn't even run a go route properly. He's garbage. And he's a waste of field space. And obviously the Bengals feel the same way because they drafted the replacement. And I think that right, right. you actually might, like you said, you're either going to get steel at that 2-4 with getting him with Burrow, or he's going to do nothing, but it's 2-4, so who really cares? I understand you really want to get a steal at that pick, so hope being high at 2-4 and the immediate feel of possible regret is completely uh, justifiable at that pick. So I totally get it. Um, I, no, and I, and I do. I'm, I'm more so looking forward and, and excited about what he can be there. with If Burrow is also who he is, which which I do. I like Burrow a lot. Um, so I'm hoping it pays off. I, well, I'll say this. I'll say this. I went through the entire college season saying Burrow's being overrated. Like, I remember I fought in the OG legal record tooth and nail that Burrow's overrated. Burrow, he's not the next Peyton. He's not the next Peyton. People keep saying he's the next Peyton. And now I'm sitting here after watching way too many games and way too many snaps. I can see it, and I'm like, Ugh. I'm probably going to have to eat my fucking words. So now I'm kind of like, well, now I want to buy into the Bengals offense. But then at the same time, I did the same thing with the Browns offense that I'm buying into, even though I've actually always been a Baker detractor. Well, not always. I kind of liked him in his rookie year. He kind of had a nice attitude. But then by like his ninth game, I was tired of his attitude already. And I was ready to call him cowardom. So uh, I was definitely on the anti-Baker train last year. And I'm going to stick to the anti-Baker train because fuck the Browns, Ravens all day. So moving forward, I mean, that was a good recap. So that, that'll that do it for the Maddie B draft recap. I was happy to finally get that through and we'll continue to do that. What's that? Sorry. I was going to say a, a cool stat I saw just well, right before we get off the rookies because I, I, I took acres. It was at the one seven. And I know we don't know what's going to happen necessarily in L.A., I think he will be the guy, but I saw um, a stat of his that was 904 of his 1,100 yards this past season came after contact, which is ridiculous. Yeah, his, his line was terrible. Yeah. Which is funny because he got yeah. out of college thinking he was going to get to a better line, and he goes, fuck the Rams. So yeah. it sucks for him, but... That's I mean, a pretty ridiculous one. It is. I believe and I... I was down on Acres because I didn't think he was that good, and then everyone kept throwing these crazy stats at me. And then I'm not a stats guy. Like, okay. like me personally, I'm not. I like I keep saying I've watched every snap of the NFL from the last two years at least once, and I like to trust what I see. And I make deals on this all the time. I famously pound the table for the deal of trading DJ Moore for OBJ. Like, I pound the table for that one because, you know, that was my I called it moment. And I still think I'm fucking right on that. And, yeah. you know, I I'm trust what I see. Bad. So when I see people throw stats at me, I'm like, ah, whatever. But Akers is a guy who I actually have now drafted myself. I've kind of bought into it, the the stats section of Twitter, right. uh, Cobbin Coombs, basically. <laughs> and I get it. I get that he had a bad line. and He didn't grade super athletically, but he he's actually a pretty good runner. And and like you said, like he could he could be definitely a, a nice pickup for you late in the 
late-ish in the first round. And, I mean, again, hopefully he doesn't totally pan out because I have so much Darrell Henderson. Uh, I'm really sad that he's not going to be the number one clear, but life goes on in this thing called fantasy football. So we don't have a lot to talk about in trades. So uh, we're not going to have, unfortunately for you guys this week, there is no glorious uh, trade segment. So sorry, no drop for you. What we are going to talk about, though, are the two trades that actually have happened uh, very quickly. Uh, and again, for some reason, we seem to have the luck of having the one, at least one person involved in like the one trade per week that's going on on the show that week. So it's convenient and it makes my life a lot easier. It makes me do a lot less work because I can just ask the question. So what we are talking about is the Marlon Mack and uh, Gus Edwards for a, I think, a 2022 first and a third. I think I got that right. Yeah, I did get that right. So when you you said that when you drafted or you traded for Mac, you saw his value go down. You did trade a 2021 first form. So when you're looking to get rid of him in a situation like that, uh, someone offers you a 2022 first, which I really believe. I think the fact that you see the first attached to the end of it is kind of overblown. I think that if you try to put that in a perspective, you're really trading like a, a high 2021 20, second. Like that's how I value it. For anyone wondering, that's my value tree. If you're trading me a 2022 20, first, I take it as an early 2021 20, second or a late 2020 second, early third. Kind of. It obviously depends on situation. But for the most part, that's kind of my value tree. Right. And to recoup some value on a player that you're low on now, like I think Mac will be a contributor this year, but not by 2022. I know when I talked to the other party, our good buddy uh, Stolp, the running back collector, he (laughs) mentioned that he believes in Mac's talent enough that he'll get another job. And now this has been a, conver- a conversation with a couple of running backs, uh, the Kareem Hunt believers, and there are Mac believers and things like that. When you get an offer like that, is this a quick accept to you, or is this something you actually think about? Like, are you that quick to pull the trigger on a guy who you're just completely, uh, I don't know, maybe bummed about their situation all of a sudden? Or do you often uh, maybe... Uh, wait and see or is this something you were just like oh my god they drafted taylor i'm out like is that kind of how that came to be like really kind of kind of briefly walk me through that mentality because uh, i know you had put him on the block and then very quickly this trade happened so kind of briefly walk me through what happened there yeah so um i i I mean obviously i traded for mac um and that was before the nfl draft and and i really liked him and i like i loved actually his situation um, behind that great offensive line in Indianapolis. And right. Um, so once Taylor got, got drafted there, I, I wasn't 100% down on him because I do agree with you that it's not just going to be Taylor's backfield and, and Matt's going to be holding water bottles on the sideline. I, I do think he right. get some run here. And, and I own him in, in one other league. And, uh, and you know, I, I've still held on to him because I'm – in a good place with that league, I feel like I can contend, and I, and I do think he can contribute. So if my team was in a different situation, 
uh, I don't think I would have accepted that trade with the pick being two years away, you know? Um, right. It was more so that uh, I am going to put my best line of forward, no, no matter who I have or whatnot, to get a first. I, I, I just... I don't necessarily feel that Mac is going to have a starting RB1 job next year. Uh, we got right. so many running backs that came out this year, plus next class uh, should be dang good. just personally don't see where there's going to be room for him to own a backfield. Um, right. Like I said, I do like Mac. I don't know how much of, you know, because he's a dang good runner and was that offensive line? Is it just that great? Would he be, you know, how would he run if, if he was running on the Bengals? I don't know. I'm not saying he would go there. Just I mean, that's a good point. That's a very good point. Like uh, when you bring when you bring up that kind of thing, where if you if you don't believe that he's destined for another, or even like an even opportunity or maybe a better opportunity, if you don't believe that, when you're looking. <laughs> Two years ahead, like that's how you got to look at deals like that. So that's a very good, uh, at least, uh, breakdown or insight into it. Because if you have a guy that you thoroughly believe you don't even, you're not even going to want on your team in 2022, and his value, in your opinion, is going to go down after that. Selling him, quote unquote, high because some people think that that's not very high, but a, a first that any like that first is going to be valuable in two years. Right. Like that's 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 the the ups and down of it like that's it really broken down in its basics because the way that we view first round picks this year and some of it is blown up because of the ridiculous twitter analytic hype over this draft class which i understand i get it but these this year's picks were a little bit uh in my opinion overhyped so when you run into 2022 guess what's going to happen the hype of the draft class is going to be real and people are going to want to acquire them. And I know that in the league of record, I have four 2022 first round picks already because I started immediately after my championship. And even during the season on my championship run already trading assets to move for 2022 first, because first round picks are just that they're still first round picks. They'll always be first round picks. So I completely understand that mentality. A lot of people think that uh, maybe it was too, early to trade Mac maybe, but I think that if you stick to your belief system and stick to your guns and the value makes sense for you, no deal is completely uh, uh, maligned. I think it's, I think that's the right word to use there, but um, not bad. I want to talk, we we had a trade happen uh, about an hour before we came on and it was, it's one of the funniest trades I've ever seen. And it's funny because it's funny not because it's dumb. It's funny in its uniqueness. It's funny in its, I didn't think I was going to see that today. And it, it definitely made me chuckle while I was slaving away in the backyard uh, yeah. with house renovations. I kind of looked at it and I had to stop for a second. And I laughed a little bit. And I was like, all right, that's that's pretty fucking funny. Um, I had looked at my phone. It was on the charger. And I, I looked real quick because, you know, I got, got a notification. And I kind of walked away. And then I was like, hold on a second. And I looked at it again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just got to take a double take because it's so it's such a rare thing to see Fab. Yeah, uh, I think it's just a rare thing to see Fab in a deal. So just to go over it, there's a couple fourth round picks. I think one was Stolps. One was from... 
somebody else, maybe the Lions uh, 2084. But I know that uh, all Tom Lee had to give up was $20 fab. And I, I know that I mentioned this before. I know that I've said this. But, guys, fab resets at the start of the year. Uh, that's why this trade is a little funny. I mean, maybe that was forgotten. Maybe I'm an idiot and I didn't completely uh, explain every single rule in great detail yet, which would be on me. But the fab is standard in standard leagues. Like the most basic of league, you get an off-season fab and an in-season fab. Now, usually... This is common knowledge, but it is my responsibility. Hilarious enough, fab resets at the start of the year. Now, if I go back through the conversations and the whole league chat and I find that I didn't mention this, Stolp can keep your $20 fab, but the rest will reset. So I'll, if, if I did not explain that before, I'm explaining it now. You can keep your 20 fab and you'll get 120 fab to start the year. Because that's on me. Otherwise, uh, it's a very interesting move. But I'm thinking if like another Tajay Sharp situation comes up and you want to spend 36 fab or another Gronkowski situation, which I'm not going to talk much more on because I hate it. But if you know if there's another guy that suddenly becomes 100 fab val- valuable in the offseason, awesome. We got the preseason. Guys are going to get cut. You know, uh, rookies are going to get signed somewhere else. Undrafted free agents are going to come out of nowhere. Your quarterback could go down. you got to make an emergency move. Hey, I mean, this stuff happens for preseason and everything, too. So it could go either way. And, and maybe on, on Tomley's end, he can get, I don't know, a future tight end 25 and a, a wide receiver 72 in the fourth round. Or he'll be a complete asshole and... Uh, get a wide receiver one in the fourth round and laugh about that 20 fab. So two quick deals, uh, one kind of funny, one decently normal. And uh, this league is never ending on its very odd uh, trades. And I got to say thanks for, uh, to Stol- excuse me, thanks to Stolt because he seems to never let us down with a trade during the week. Uh, so keep it coming, man. Uh, keep it going, keeping it active. I dig it. You're constantly building your team. And I know that I have kind of unfairly, uh, shit on some of those deals, but you and I have talked about it. You get where I'm coming from. I get where you're coming from and I will get you on here. Uh, I know I've seemed to always have something else lined up, but we will work the schedule out and you and I, buddy, we will talk about some um football and some fantasy football and we were talking a little bit about mma today i think we could even touch on that if you really wanted to um we definitely will get into it so i know normally my seemingly never around co-producer uh likes to have some trivia so the last couple of times we have actually successfully stumped Cobb on some we completely baffled uh brad so we are going to do three questions they are going to be football questions today and i hope your confidence is there because you are absolutely and most definitely being judged uh not just by me by everybody so question one are you ready or what maddie go okay the 2013 nfc championship game was aired on what television network it's tough ones. It's tough ones. We we don't we don't lay them up there. This ain't slow pitch. Uh, 
People can't see his face right now, but he's really grimacing. Like he's really <laughs> burying deep into the memory banks. I am. I'll go with Fox, man. I don't know. You would be right. The guess oh. was right. There's only like three networks, so yeah. you had a one in three chance. We're trying to trying to make it somewhat possible, but yeah, Fox Unit, you you got that one very grimacingly, and it looked painful. Um, I mean, it was my 2013 is one of my favorite Super Bowls, so. This one uh, might be a little tougher. It kind of it's not on field related, but who was the 2017 Walter Payton Man of the Year? 2017. I personally think this player's a douchebag. If it helps you. Oh man, why am I blanking on his name? We're tick talking. The the clock is going again. You can't see his face here, but I can. The clockwork is ticking. It is uh, going. It's Walter Payton is tough because it's not really like a talked about thing after they win it. You kind of just got to see it on their stupid jersey. Their stupid little Walter Payton thing they etch on the jersey. So Chris Long? It is not Chris Long. That's a good guess, though. Chris Long's a world-class guy. I think he was the 2018. I think it was whatever season Chris Long didn't. Yeah. I think whatever season he didn't take a paycheck. I think it was when he one with the eagles i think so it was either 2016 or whatever but the 2017 walter payton man of the year was a douchebag himself jj watt um i know jj watt donates a lot of money and stuff but the whole like him showing himself working out after practice knowing nfl cameras are watching him like by himself doing stupid cone drills like get the fuck out of here like everyone that knows football knows that you doing those outside of practice just for cameras means you're a dick that's like that's like playing slow pitch with a guy who dives for a ball for no reason brad and thinks that he's gonna be on tsn like that's that guy but in the nfl making that much money so good for jj watt for all the donations and everything but you're a douchebag so we're gonna take this one back uh, a little bit. Um, in 2007, Sheldon Brown, defender, made the cover of Sports Illustrated for his hit on what NFL rookie? Reggie Bush. You're fucking right. How did you? How does that click? How does that that quickly connect with you? Is that something you just remembered in your mind? I thought I was gonna stump the shit out of you with that. That was a really yeah. quick fucking response. I got lucky there, man. You can't. He was playing for the Eagles that year, and it. Um... It was a playoff game, wasn't it? Yeah. You know what? I, I'm sitting there thinking, it was like Sheldon Brown. I just clicked me, as you said. He did fucking play for the Eagles that year. So yeah. here I am thinking I sniped a trivia question, but there it is. Your fandom somewhat uh, saved you from that one. Like it, it's, It definitely did. That was fucking impressive. I got to say, like, I'm a nerd for sports. Yeah. Especially, like, baseball and statistics. I mean, right in front of me, you can't see it on camera, but in my little corner here, I got a picture of the 1955 Brooklyn Dodgers. I, I'm, I'm a, I, it has their stats on it. Like I just stare at it every day. Uh, I, I love sport in general. I don't think I would have come fucking close. Like these questions would stump me, and there's a reason why I'm asking them and not answering them, because I get to judge and not be judged. And when you sit in the big boy chair. That's the life you get. So that was three questions. You got two out of three. Not bad. Brad, pick your shit up. Uh, you're slacking, and everyone fucking knows it. So suck it. Um, the last thing I want to get into, it looks like we're going to hit our timestamp, uh, which I wanted to keep it around an hour, and it looks like we're, we're going to keep it right tucked into that perfect little sweet spot. 
the NFL schedule dropped. There are no jersey updates, so I don't have to talk about that for 20 minutes, but their schedule dropped. We actually have a potential NFL schedule. It looks like things are going to keep moving forward as things start opening. I know the Toronto Sports Entertainment Arena is starting to open for the Leafs and Raptors, and I know the Blue Jays are really starting to put in a plan in place, and I know in the States they're talking about baseball really getting going, and obviously football's really gaining steam. So the NFL went ahead and did what the NFL does and kept the moneymaker churning, and they released the schedule. Now, obviously, I haven't spent a ton of time diving into every team, but there's one thing I did want to point out that, guess what, is Ravens-related. Deal with it. Don't give a shit. Um, they have the shortest distance to travel on the road than any team has ever had in NFL history. Now, this is either a completely blown out of proportion advantage because a road game is a road game. But even just say, for example, traveling for wrestling, it really does drag on you. I know they're not, it's not exactly like they're going in there being given cupcake games on the road, but to have that little distance traveled seems uh, laughable. Uh, so that's what stuck out to me. They also have kind of a fluff schedule. Like there's a lot of, I don't think the Cowboys are going to be very good. They get the Eagles. I don't think they're going to be very good, at least on defense. Um, you know, the, the Bengals are always hilarious to watch, try to play defense. The Steelers games are always tough, but other than that, like they get the Giants, they get the Redskins. I think they got a really kind of a slack schedule for how good they were last year. And I think they have five primetime games, which as a fan, I don't like because I hate not being the underdog for once after be so many years of old Steve McNair, RIP, and then like Kyle Bowler. And then like post Super Bowl Flacco that I'm used to knowing my team is terrible on offense. So for them to be able to light people up like this, I'd like being the underdog and rooting for the underdog. Now we're the assholes and uh, it's a weird feeling for me as a fan. So that's what I uh, saw, noticed, uh, took note of with the schedule. Maddie, when you looked at the initial schedule, I don't know if you solely looked at your Eagle schedule or, or what, but what stood out to you initially from the release of the 2020 NFL schedule? Uh, actually, it was the Ravens. I saw a stat as well that was so based on records from last year. The Ravens have now obviously teams turn it around, so we don't know for sure. But as of right now, the Ravens have the easiest schedule. If you, I think it's 483, the winning percentage. At the combined win, or just I have, you just mix up the eight and the three. So, so they have an easy schedule. Um, and then my Eagles, I mean, we were at like 25th or so. So we'll see how that goes. But that's wild. So between your Ravens not having to travel as far as everybody else, you also per se have the easiest schedule as well. So, And that scares me because, again, uh, usually when I get super hype about a team, they shit the bed horrendously. So for them to not only be favorites, but to have a cupcake schedule just screams 8-8 eight and eight to me. There's like I really feel like last year was this like miraculous run with Lamar and their offense and being unique. And I know they improved, but you never really know about rookie receivers. Like you don't know what Duvernay is gonna actually do. Hurst is gone, which I know people are like, oh, Andrews is gonna be better. He might be worse. I mean, Hurst taking away defenders with speed really left Andrews open a lot. So that's going to change. Are they going to keep running the hard option all the time? Who knows? They drafted Dobbins. Apparently, they want to use all four running backs. 
who knows what's going to happen with this team in the offense. No one knew last year. We don't know this year. And a cupcake schedule can be both good and bad. So we never really know. And we are going to, I definitely am going to dive deeper into the schedule as we keep moving forward. Because in this dead period of news and notes, unless there's a big trade in our league or a big signing in the NFL, I mean, we're really going to be slugging for stuff to talk about when it comes to league stuff. And we're not just breaking down players and stats and trades and, you know, douchebags of the week and things like that. Uh, We are going to dive into the schedule because it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun to talk about who's playing who. Are they at home? What are the splits? Uh, We're going to get into gambling and we're going to get into how to place bets, what you're looking for when you're making a bet, the strangest prop bets, things like that is definitely going to be something we get into uh, on this show because, again, a lot of us are degenerate fucking gamblers and (laughs) have a serious problem. So, Manny, I want to just go ahead and uh, thank you for joining today on the Friday edition on May 8th here of the Friday Night Lights Fantasy Podcast. It was nice to not only put a a face to the name, but a voice to it as well. So uh, big ups for joining us. I think everyone's going to really appreciate it. I'd like to thank you for breaking your team down. And I want to thank everyone for continuing to listen and the support and the messages and the the genuine uh, appreciation of what we're trying to do here has been uh, pretty incredible. And we're just going to keep building and moving forward. And we're going to keep adding some stuff. And I really think that with the group that we have and starting to expand that group. And I'll be honest, other people from other leagues have now been listening to what's happening in this little corner of fantasy football and they think that it's fucking hilarious and again feedback has been really good like i said the interviews coming up uh, are you guys are either going to like it or you're not going to give a shit but either way i'm going to tell you to listen or i will veto your trades and that's the power of being the commish and the man on the mic so once again for your guest uh maddie b all the way in vegas to your commish here in Winnipeg, uh, but fuck nowhere, Canada. I want to thank everyone for listening. Have a good day, and always remember this. There's a no, fight no. going on out there, gentlemen. Why don't you get in it? Clear eyes, full hearts. Get in!